0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have some terrific guests coming up on today's episode talking about some really special horses. Um, We are already at the beginning of February, which is kind of wild. It turns out that February is going to be a Very, very busy month for me, but I'm pretty excited about it. I'll be um, spending some time at Tampa Bay Downs. I have a couple big weekends coming up there, including the Sam F. Davis. Looking forward to covering all of that action for America State The Races. Um, I'm actually taking a vacation, which I'm very excited about, too. Um, You all know that I am a workaholic as well, so I'm pretty excited about getting a little bit of time off, too. But First, I had to have an opportunity to speak uh, to the guests that I have on today's show. As you can imagine, with the Eclipse Awards, the Pegasus, a lot of exciting things to start off the year, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to In the Ring, so we'll get right into it. So happy to welcome in owner Bruce Lunsford coming off of a very big week with Art Collector winning the Pegasus World Cup. Bruce, first of all, congratulations. What was that victory like with a horse that I know has had some ups and downs throughout his career and really kind of caught everybody sleeping on him this past week?
1: Well, I think uh, think it really, it was a case where he finally got to his potential, I think. Mm -hmm. He's gotten close a couple of times, but he's had this little nagging, Problem, you know, with his cuff or with his uh, heel, uh, and it's it when it when it keeps him from getting his best. And also, we kind of changed tactics. Uh, Bill thought maybe we didn't need to be in the lead. With the change of jockey, we decided to let Junior take him back and then mm-hmm. run with him, and you know, it made all the difference in the world. And we, we sometimes you gotta put a lot of things together, but it's never any question he had talent. It was just a matter matter of whether we would be able to get the max out of it. But, you know, Bill, as you know, uh, has, has been around a long time. He and I have mm-hmm. had a long time relationship. It's, it was really fun to do it. We had a good time.
0: And this is a horse that you bred too. He's now a two-time grade one winner. Can you just talk a little bit about what the journey has been like with Art Collector?
1: Well, uh, you, you may not know this. I don't know if some people do, some people don't, but my original, my original mare that I bought was Seth Hancock. Mm-hmm. Uh, many years ago, probably 25, 20, 25, I don't even know what, um, the uh, she she was a pretty nice, pretty nice individual, um, and then I I bred Vision and verse to her, and a few others that had turned out to be pretty pretty good, and then she, then she was Distorted Legacy's mom, and now Distorted Legacy has turned out to be the pro- most prolific of yeah. anything I've had uh, as a broodmare goes, so it's a lot of history with it. Um, you know, my relationship with Seth was nice because he and I have been close ever since then. And then, uh, with Bill who trained vision works for me and a couple of others, uh, to go back and, and do this experience. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it kind of took us by surprise a little bit. We thought he'd run really good, really well, but the rest of them were talked up so much <laughs> that it became, it became a, uh, kind of a, uh, You know, getting you swept up in, are they Mm -hmm. right? Am I right? What are we doing? But uh, in the end, if you look at his back class, he probably Mm -hmm. had the class of the field and in the end ran a powerful race. So it was pretty exciting.
0: He's a very cool horse. I've gotten to see him in person a few times, the first of which was when he ran in the Preakness as a three-year-old, and he was kind of um, a buzz horse who, at the time with Tommy Drury, put put Tommy on the map a little bit, too, in, in the talent that he had in winning the Bluegrass and kind of showing that early on in his career.
1: That's right, and, and Tommy and I have a terrific relationship And I have other horses with him. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt at the time that maybe he needed to go to New York Mm -hmm. where he was closer to all the top jocks and, and uh, you know, to see what we really had. And it turned out to be be a good move for everybody. Um, I I will also say that, uh, that he is, he is really a a neat horse. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got a great lady that takes care of him all the time. Irma, I don't know if you've ever met her. She's fantastic. Absolutely. she She does a great job. And, and it's been a great experience. And you know, the, only, the only time that he's let us down is when he just really wasn't capable with some kind of problem or injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Bill, Bill, much like your father-in-law, he's pretty good at bringing them back off of the layoff. And uh, so the layoff really turned out to be a big deal to him.
0: Indeed, and Bill's done a terrific job with him, and I, I had read that Bill saying you're originally pointing to the Harlands' holiday and giving him some time, and it seems like kind of giving him some time to come back and, and being patient with him has really paid off, especially with this big win. Um, do we think we may see some more racing for him this year, as I know he does have already some stallion plans already?
1: Well, he, he only has stallion plans to the extent that, that he will go to Claiborne, obviously. Sure. And that's another long term relationship for me. But uh, uh, as far as the actual, uh, you know, what year will start, it obviously won't be this year because I wouldn't start mm-hmm. one in, you know, March or April with no mm-hmm. other experience, you know, no other time to get ready. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think he'll race if he's if he's healthy, he'll race some more this year.
0: Well, that's lucky for us as fans. And, uh, and you mentioned the long-term relationship with Claiborne, and I know he was born and raised at the farm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And, um, and they do such a wonderful job, and there's so much history and um, experience over at Claiborne Farm as well.
1: Well, you know, you know Seth and Seth, uh, you know, I, we knew each other a little bit, um, but um, as I was just getting started in the business, I was doing like a lot of people do. My best friend and i we were claiming horses enjoying it but we were both doing full-time jobs elsewhere mm-hmm. and uh and eventually one day you know seth called me and said would you be interested in you know trying to to step up your game to another level and and uh, be a client at Claiborne? and i said I, i'd be honored to be and that started from there and you know we were sitting next to each other in the sales ring the uh the day that we bought uh bought bunning and one yeah. thing led to another. And so it's been a great relationship. And They never pressed me to do more than I want to. And uh, mm-hmm. and I can say that, you know, Walker's doing a great job of mm-hmm. kind of being the next generation. And then, you know, you know, also Bernie has had a good relationship with me for years. So it's been great.
0: How was it that you first got involved in the sport of horse racing and started owning horses?
1: Well, you know, I went to school at the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. and uh, my best friend at the time and still is really Greg Hudson, who was there with me the other day. Uh, we, uh, his dad was had of horses at Ellis park and, you know, kind of in the mid range of, of horse racing and uh, loved the game. Uh, and that sort of bred that in Greg and he sort of led me down the lane to it. And we had a lot of fun. And, you know, I, re- I remember two things that happened. One, I was at the Derby, the year proud Clarion won it. Mm-hmm. It was a huge odds. We were in Anfield getting soaked and, and uh, actually I bet on him, or I think he might know if hear in second or one. I can't remember now, uh, but uh, the next thing, that big thing that happened the day that cross start raced uh, against um, Abe's hope in the bluegrass stakes, it was like a four or five horse field. And it was, you know, a typical spring day, uh, a little crowded, uh, but uh, everybody loved Grosstark. Grosstark was going to go into the Derby with probably six horses at most, being in it, and and uh, no, I never saw anything as powerful as as Grostark when he first jumped out of the gate. I mean, he like jumped out and hit the ground about you know a, a length in front of the the gate, and then went on to down the back stretch he was leading by about twelve or fifteen lengths, and I thought, well, this is going to be a cakewalk, and and then he started slowing down in the turn. And it uh, turned out that he actually, you know, had a, um, hit, had a you know career-ending injury, mm-hmm. but he had so much heart, he fought all the way to the finish line and got beat by about a nose or something. And I still have that, I, I have a painting that I had done of that race's finish line and, and keep it hung all the time to remind me what got me in the business. Wow. And I that, love that. That was pretty exciting at the time, but kind of brokenhearted because mm-hmm. he was a special kind of horse.
0: Mm-hmm. It is amazing the stories that that bring us in, and I know um, there's been some disappointment of course along the way with art collector to not being able to run in the kentucky derby and yet here we are now he's a six-year-old um that longevity is is kind of rare you know in the sport nowadays and especially in the older dirt division where a lot of horses have already headed off to the breeding shed it's a little bit of a division that seems right for the taking how special is it to have a horse that's been able to stick around and be su- successful at the top level this long
1: well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm actually, it's a one man show with me, unless it, I got a, they have a minor, minority partner every mm-hmm. now and then, but um, I enjoy the game. I enjoy yeah. the racing. Um, and I think we've, um, and this is not anybody's fault. The money and, and the sales ring has has directed people to uh, move them to the, to the finish line or sales ring sooner than they used to. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily share that kind of view about my horses. If they're doing well, and then they can give me the kind of excitement I had, you know, this past weekend, mm-hmm. I, I really am not going to get real interested in running over and watch a couple of horses make love. You know, that <laughs> is. Uh-huh. So, uh, so it just turned out well that he's he sound mm-hmm. uh, being six. But, you know, uh, you know the Europeans, Europe, Europe horses, they race longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, then the Zenyatta is a great example of a mare mm-hmm. that got. Trained and raced for a long time, and gave everybody a great thrill. And you know, I think the the, the, the industry could use a few of those. We need some heroes.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think it's really special to have an example of a horse like Art Collector that's still in training. And yet you are involved on the breeding side as well. Um, how how do you go about choosing which stallions to support, who to send um, to your mares? And as you said, you know the dam of Art Collector and Distorted Legacy has been a terrific producer. How did those matings come about?
1: Well, the, the one thing that happened on Art Collector was um, that you know, I, I mean that I that I felt that, that distorted legacy based on her fourth place finish, you know, in the in the uh, the the Mary mare turf at the Breeders mm-hmm. Cup. I thought showed that she had some special talent, and so the first really mating that counted was uh, when we when we uh, when we bred her to Bernadini, because mm-hmm. uh, Bernardini had that kind of speed that I liked, and I I thought was a terrific, truly uh, pr- brood, really terrific broodmare sire. And um, I just, I liked, I liked the fit. I thought he'd bring some speed uh, to the Stored Legacies uh, crop, and he did. Um, mm-hmm. And then he sort of led the pack to where I went from there, you know. I, and I've, I've had, him, had, him, had him, had him bred to, had him, uh, you know, in a position, her the mother being bred to some really talented racehorses. And, you know, as, and I was a little ahead of the curve, uh, first of all, on, you know, I've got, I've got uh, Legionnaire who is also is a a real nice horse. And then this horse were both bred the same. And then I'm, you know, I'm following it up with Daglia Diora. Horses Mm -hmm. that are accomplished sires. And so far, knock on wood, they've all looked pretty good when they came out of the womb. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful.
0: Is it the even more special to have a horse that's been successful on the racetrack when you've been part of that horse's life even before that horse was born through every step of the way
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's it's, a, it's just it's nice to know that i was part of the planning operation mm-hmm. you know to get to get the horse in the world so to speak uh, i still buy i look for bargains i look for opportunities but I don't do a lot of that. I, mm-hmm. I do just enough to kind of keep my, you know, I don't want the, the trainers like the Barbara Minshaw's and the Tommy Dury's uh, to need a lot of horses for me. Mm-hmm. I want to give them enough to, to help them in that. But um, you can't always give everybody the best horse. Sure. And so you have to make some decisions that sometimes uh, wouldn't be possible if I didn't buy a few horses on the side.
0: And at the end of the day, this game is about enjoying the races and about having the fun as well. And um, and I read that your family enjoys it, that you really get a chance to experience that. And um, um, can you talk a little bit about how important that is to you and being able to enjoy seeing your horses run?
1: Well, I, I think the, first of all, the love of the game came to me in college and kind of go, gone from there. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I sort of like playing the gambling game and all mm-hmm. the things people do. Uh, but, the, but the longer I, I was out there, I didn't know if I would ever have the financial opportunity to get in the business the way I'd want to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've had a few breaks along the way. And I've had, you know, I've hit stumbling blocks, but I've always been able to bounce back. And I was looking the other day, I think I've been in the business um, about, you know, 43 years maybe. Mm-hmm. And that, that I do not own a horse farm, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there aren't many of those around that yeah. stay in it
2: like that.
0: Well, it's wonderful to see too. And um, at the end of the day, it's the special horses like an art collector that, that keep you coming back for more. What was the feeling like on Saturday winning the Pegasus World Cup and doing it in the fashion that he did? Can you kind of put that all into words? And um, even with Junior Alvarado climbing aboard, not being able to have his regular pilot. And as you said, with those change of tactic.
1: Well, I I, mean, I think Junior's an excellent job. Sure, absolutely. And he wouldn't be... And he wouldn't be uh, it Bill's kind of go-to guy mm-hmm. if he wasn't, and I, I knew that he and Bill would would communicate properly with each other. And he really he rode the horse exactly like mm-hmm. Bill laid it out, and it just turned. You know, you can't always get that opportunity where it falls in place for you, but uh, it did. It may not next time. You never know. But um, I I, I can't I can't name one thing I saw in the race <laughs> to tell you that I thought he did anything he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. He it perfectly. And, and i think that i think the thing that was most important is you know he, he's not a he's a pretty good horse he won the bluegrass stakes coming sure. from off of it and a couple of other races um the thing that i think it did allow him to do was really show his powerful you know powerful stroke at the end i mean he was he was moving away at the end and and rode like a good horse and rid and, and drove like a good horse um so that was exciting but it was interesting because i had several friends here some that that came to the track only, and some that were with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of my good friends, uh, you know, he loves the business, and so he's decided to get into business a little bit. He had a he had a New York bread uh, that he was trying to figure out what to do, and he was kind of irritated that they one of them didn't work. So I, I wound up uh, going in partners with him, and the horse's name is Silken Dollar, and uh, yeah. we went up to New York, and we had a we had a pretty good. Uh, pretty good training situation with Rick Shosper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a good New York trainer and, yeah. you know, I think it worked out really well. We, we want to broke a maiden and we want to one other than, and and he, he's he'll be back next year and he's thrilled about it. And then we also have a, uh, another one that, um, uh, not a New York bred, that's probably a little bit better horse. And mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, he's out, he's out of a, a good sire. So I, I think we'll have, you know, I think we'll have some fun together, but he was so excited Saturday. I told somebody I felt like a football player because uh, Dave, Dave's my age, but he's next an Marine. And all of a sudden he got so excited, he just ran into me and it was it was like like the football player that got me. hit me square in the chest. And then one of my other friends is 83 and he ran up and hit me in the back. I thought they were trying to, to kidnap me there for a minute that's you know, awesome I, and and I gave an interview to I gave an interview right after all that mm-hmm. happened to the fellow from you know that that works out there on a regular basis mm-hmm. and, and you could tell I was just having a ball <laughs>
0: Uh, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, all of those big celebrations and you mentioned bringing other people into the game and particularly in New York, because there are so many opportunities with New York breeds and, um, and things like that to, to have some action and to have some excitement. Um, has it kind of been a goal of yours to get other people to be involved in racing? I know you've always been a really big supporter of the game and of promoting the game and all of its positive attributes.
1: Well, I, I don't know that I spend a lot of time trying to get people in it because I mm-hmm. think you got to have a real desire and I think sure. you got to really understand the risk. And so I'm not real, I'm not feeling good about that. But somebody who does understand the risk and has mm-hmm. been a fan of the game and wants to get in, you know, I'm going to encourage them to. And I, you know, just, you know, it's a little bit like I tell you to be in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Don't put any more up than you got.
0: What have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way from from owning and breeding resources?
1: Well, I, I never get the cart before the horse. You know, I'm an old mm-hmm. farm boy, uh, <laughs> and I, I realize you don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. I mean, I grew up on a tobacco and hay farm, and we raised cattle. And and uh, you know, every year you don't, if you're gonna don't know if you're gonna have a good crop or not. You learn to live with within your means. If you don't, and I think the same thing's true of the horse business. Mm -hmm. There've been a lot of guys, as you know, have been in it. Uh, Several have gone, you know, really into decent into kind of desperate financial status that had nothing to do necessarily with the horse business. Mm -hmm. The horse horse uh, business is not exactly for the faint of heart or or the uh, the ones who don't have the pocketbook.
0: Obviously, we're all trying to win. That's the goal at the end of the day, and there are. are an amazing number of things that can happen to prevent a horse from even getting in the starting gate, let alone the winner's circle. And uh, it requires a lot of patience as well.
1: Well, you know, I talked about my best friend, mm-hmm. uh, when, this is back many years ago. This is one of those moments in life. Remember, um, we claimed a couple of horses at Churchill. We claimed a horse named Dross, uh, D-R-O-S-S, and a horse named, a horse named Cornstalk Road. And we claimed a meets for 15 grand, which is not a lot of money in the business. Uh, and they and at that time though they they wound up both winning over 100 grand, and that was a real healthy deal for us. It probably could have been dangerous had we let it really get to us. But uh, in any event, we took we took Cornstalk Road up Turfway Park, and it was on a, it was on an early evening race, and we went up. We were all excited. We knew he was training terrific, and um, he wound up breaking out of the gate and ran all the way down the backside and then around the turn and then jumped over the fence into the barns back there and uh, really tore himself up. I mean, nothing nothing beyond the surface, but it was a pretty ugly experience. Mm. And, uh, and then, then you kind of look at each other and say, what are we doing in this game? But he came back and turned out to be a nice horse for us. but nothing like watching your horse run around a track without anybody on him and a saddle hanging from him and everything else. <laughs> to let you know, boy, this can be dangerous in a hurry.
0: Anything can happen, that's for sure. And, and I know you're very close with the Hudson family. I know they were there um, this past weekend and uh, my husband told, you to, told me to tell you that they have a runner at Gulfstream this weekend and was wondering if you were gonna be there uh, to support them for their first time starter like they were for the Pegasus. I
1: know they're excited about me. <laughs> I can't go back I can't. Yeah. And sometime, not in an airplane, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I, I think they're really excited about the horse because I know that, I know that Andrew's coming down mm-hmm. and, and the Hudson, you know, Greg and Leslie will be there. It'll be fun. They're good horse owners. And they're
0: Absolutely. Good you know, Wonderful been people friends
1: since college. So
0: it's amazing. Uh, the, the way passions kind of align sometimes and the people you meet in the game too.
1: Oh yeah. No question. It's, it's great experience, and uh, and uh, I, I think you're marrying into a really good family. Have Thank married you. into a really good family, you know. I I love I love, uh, I love uh, his mom and his dad. Yes. I mean, they're just good, good people and, and sister and But Miguel's going to be he's going to be a little bit like Riley Mott. They're both going to be forces <laughs> in the game down the road. Michael.
0: Oh, they'll be fun to watch, that's for sure. I think maybe some of the soccer photos from when they were kids might come out uh, when they start competing against one another going back in in time, but really excited for all of that. Um, I'm I'm very, very lucky for sure, and thank you for the kind words. And thank you, Bruce, so much for taking the time today. Um, Congratulations again, and can't wait to see um, Art Collector on the track again. I've become a big fan of his watching him race over the years.
1: Thank you, Acacia. I appreciate it very much, okay? Take care.
0: So happy to welcome in John Green from DJ Stable, a repeat guest, and John, very happy to have you on. A lot has happened since we last spoke, including you and uh, the team having a champion two-year-old filly in Wonder Wheel. Big congratulations. I'm sure it's been a, a really exciting couple of months since that big Breeders' Cup victory.
2: It really has, and first and foremost, thank you for having me back. I was actually going through the archives, and it was almost exactly two years ago to the day, wow. um, Acacia, that I was on the show. So um, obviously, my 24 month ban is has been lifted, <laughs> and uh, and I'm allowed to be back on the show. So I appreciate it.
0: Very um, happy, but, yeah, yeah, very happy about that.
2: <laughs> but but certainly, um, 2022 was was just a banner year for us, and and we've been fortunate enough to be in the business for now 40 plus years, and. Um, 2022, you know, ranks up there as as the top year that we've ever had. Um, not only did Wonder Wheel, you know, win the Eclipse, but we won a Breeders' Cup race. Um, we were in the top ten in total purse earnings as as an owner, uh, and um, and we sold a, a yearling, a homebred of ours, for over a million dollars. So mm-hmm. it was really just a across the board from racing to breeding to 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 pin It was just a phenomenal year for 2022, and I hope to be able to bottle that uh luck and fortune and 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 spread it around over the next couple of years
0: that's the thing about racing isn't it you have a special horse you have a lot of success but then the problem is is that then the year starts over and you have to either try to build on that or find some new horses and keep it going right
2: exactly and and you know with with the with the way that our family works um it would. Was- is you know we got the accolades and the excitement of of uh, of winning the Eclipse and literally as I'm walking off stage, my dad says to me, "Okay, turn the page. It's 2023." <laughs> so you know, so we don't we don't rest on our laurels too much here. Uh, you know, at, at DJ Stable, um, we're always looking you know forward and and looking uh, ever upward. But I think that's part of the business is that. You know, it, it's great when you have success, but you really have to learn from both your successes and your losses. And um, as you know, from being in the business, you know, for a long time, you're going to lose, you know, four out of five times if you're if, if you're a good outfit. Um, so you better get used to, you know, to, to the down cycles and and embracing the good stuff when it happens.
0: Well, as you mentioned, with Wonder Wheel winning the Eclipse Award champion, two year old Philly, she had a tremendous year. Um, Now she, as everybody else after the first, is a three year old. And I understand we'll get a chance to see her back on the racetrack soon. Um, I'll be there at Tampa uh, next weekend when she's pointing to the Suncoast, which I'm really excited about. And I know the long term goal certainly the Kentucky Oaks. Can you talk a little bit about some of the added pressure, maybe, in bringing back a, a three year old Philly that's done so well at two? no
2: it, it is it it's it's really self-induced pressure the filly <laughs> thankfully doesn't know you know either way she doesn't know she's a champion she doesn't know that she won four to five races last year including two grade ones um all she knows is that it's time for her to 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 start training again and and stretching her legs out and running so the good news is the athlete herself doesn't is totally oblivious <laughs> to all the things we're going to be talking about um and but but yeah from a human standpoint uh you know my job is really to try to get her Uh, to her destination site and for us the destination site certainly you mentioned the Oaks Um, the Ashland at Keeneland has Mm -hmm. been near and dear to our hearts for you know, for a number of years, we were fortunate enough to win it very early on in our racing careers back in the in the uh, early 90s. And uh, we thought, Oh, this is easy. You know, you just you have a horse that wins a couple races, and you bring it to Keeneland, and you win a grade one and sip champagne. And you know, everything's wonderful. And it took us 30 years to kind of get back to the promised land. Mm-hmm. So y- you do appreciate it. But Wonder Wheel um, is going to run in the Sun Coast, And, uh, you know, she's been, she had a little time off, um, we did a little maintenance with her just to to make sure that that she was in 100 percent form, and she's been breezing very very well at uh, Mark Markassy's training facility. And 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 really, it's one thing when you when you see a, a breeze post a certain time and you get excited mm-hmm. about it because a horse went three furlongs in 35 or a half mile in 47. But it's really the visual. It's the gallop out that you really want to see. and and it was wonderful that she's hitting the times that we want her to. But she's doing it well in hand. She's doing it alone. She's not doing it in company, so it's just on her own. And she's galloping out so strong. and and we went back and forth as to whether or not we should run in the Sun Coast because it is a two turn race. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit sooner back than what we anticipated. But she's been training so well that, it's just a natural next stop for her um, and, you know, in, in her career. But the nice thing about it is, and, and Mark Cassie and I, who trains over horse, Mark Cassie and I talk all the time about her. And, you know, initially we both said, hey, she's a champion. She's going to have a target on her back. We need to really make sure that she's honed and ready and and 100%, mm-hmm. um, you know, for every race she runs in. But Acacia, after, after saying it out loud and thinking about it, you know Mark and I circled back and said, you know what? It doesn't matter. She's champion. And mm-hmm. and if she runs third or second or last even in the Sun Coast, it doesn't matter. If we think that's the next stepping stone for her and that's the next best race for her um to get to the ultimate goal of the Ashland and hopefully the Kentucky Oaks, then that's where we want to run her. So uh you know Mark and his team are doing a great job of getting the Philly ready. And uh you know obviously we'll be excited if she wins, but we won't be super disappointed if, if she runs a close second or third.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the beginning with her as uh, she was purchased at Keeneland as a yearling. And she has a lovely pedigree too, being by Into Mischief out of a, um, a mare who she was actually third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies. So her daughter kind of, uh, came back for some revenge for her, which I thought was kind of fun <laughs> to see as well. I always love seeing those types of things. And obviously Into Mischief is arguably one of the hottest sires in America, if not the world right now. And um, I, I know that's always an, an exciting thing about it, but can you tell a little bit, maybe beyond the pedigree, or what some of the appeal was for her at that Keeneland Yearling sale?
2: You know, we have such a wonderful team of shortlisters um, led by Kim Valerio and Martha Ingram, and they literally. Um, go to each barn and do an all show and look at every horse, at least for the first three books at, at Keeneland. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine it's like 2000 horses yeah. that they're literally eyeballing every single day. And that year, because of, of COVID travel restrictions, um, we were up here in New Jersey and trying to handicap things and coordinate things up from our offices and wonder wheel was a horse that um, was on our short list, certainly, but it was a book one horse And Acacia, we honestly thought that she was going to bring half a million dollars Mm -hmm. for all the reasons you just mentioned. She's, um, you know, she's uh, out of a a multiple graded winning uh, mare. She's an into mischief. She's got the looks and she was hip 600, you know, so obviously she's, you know, in in the grand scheme of things of her crop, she had all the boxes checked. We were convinced she was going to bring half a million dollars, but it's our due diligence and not that we were going to spend that certainly, Mm -hmm. but it's our due diligence that we went ahead and vetted her out anyway. Just so that way we would know, um, you know, if she was selling for lesser than what we thought, we would know if it was a vet issue or if there was, you know, just that nobody was on her for for certain reasons. Um, Fast forward to the sale. I'm on the phone with Kim Valerio and we know the reserve is $300,000. So we were just kind of sitting there and I'm saying to myself, she's going to sell for a lot more than that. Let me just watch it. And she went through and RNA'd um and kim to her credit was standing right next to the breeder she positioned mm-hmm. herself to stand right next to the breeder when when wonder wheel was going to the ring so when the horse when philly didn't bring her reserve kim immediately walked over to the breeder and said how much do you want for this horse yeah. because obviously the marketplace didn't think that she was going to bring you know more than 300 or, or didn't bring more than 300 000. and we negotiated a price and literally with me on the phone with her talking to the breeder, um, you know, within two minutes, uh, haggled and, and accepted a price. And as they were walking to the Keeneland office to get the deal done, two other people walked up to her, walked up to the breeder and said, hey, what do you want for that horse? And to the breeder's credit, they said, no, we already have a deal with DJ. We're walking into the offices right now to take it, you know, to get wow. it done. So they didn't try to run, you know, to, to say, well, wait, what do you offer? I mean, they were very, you know, true to their word. And and sometimes you just have to be, you know, we say lucky, but but in that sense, we handicapped it where mm-hmm. if this Philly wasn't going to bring what we thought she was going to bring, we wanted to be in a position to strike immediately. And thankfully we did. Um, but, you know, Acacia, she's not, you know, Wonder Wheel as beautiful as she is and intelligent and all the attributes that she has, she's not a perfect, mm-hmm. you know, confirmation horse. And and God knows there aren't any, you know, hardly <laughs> any perfectly con- conformed horses, but out of all the into mischiefs, she was like the 50th highest priced horse out of almost a hundred. So, mm-hmm. you know, the marketplace said that she was kind of an average looking into mischief in their estimation.
0: I love those stories. And I, I always find it so fascinating how things work out at the sales, because like you said, Maybe it is an element of luck, but I think it's also kind of, like you said, positioning and being ready for all of the different alternatives, because some wacky things happen in the sale mm-hmm. sometimes, whether it's in the bidding or behind the scenes, as you mentioned. And and um, and sometimes, you know, y- you end up just kicking yourself for not pushing a little bit more or trying to find another way to get the horse that you really like and trusting your gut in those kinds of situations.
2: No question. And 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 each day of the sale, not only each sale, but each day of the sale, has its it is its own organism and it mm-hmm. has its its certain ebb and flow. And, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, uh, you know, who go to the sales understand this, but there are certain days, especially in the longer sales, whether it's the OBS April or the Keeneland September um, sale, or even the, the, the phasic October sale, you know, the multiple days mm-hmm. where you'll talk to, to agents or you talk to shortlisters that are trainers that look at a number of horses and they'll say, the third day looks like it's the best day or the first day is where you want to strike because that's where all the, you know, there's a lot of good athletes there. So mm-hmm. they're handicapping the, the sales and the days also, and they all have their, their a different pulse to them. So it very well could have been that day that a lot of people were traveling that day, mm-hmm. you know, cause book one is usually so expensive. So maybe a lot of people said, Hey, I'm not going to have as much to spend because of COVID, you know, has, has kind of curtailed my business a little bit. Um, I'm going to wait until book two or book three to strike, or, ah, you know what? There's literally a hundred into mischiefs that are going to be in the September sale. I'm going to wait until I find one that maybe is is going to be a little bit more affordable. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why um, you you bid or don't bid. You know, I've heard stories about people where they literally go to the November sale to bid on a gray mare and a friend of ours, you know, this is his story. He he went to the sale to, to, to purposely buy this one gray mare and it was cold out, and he came inside, and he kind of snuggled into the the seat at Keeneland because it was warm, and he and he fell asleep. And about forty five <sighs> minutes later, he woke up and he sees this gray mare in the in the ring selling for like twenty thousand, and he was going to get fifty for for the mare, so he starts bidding and he buys the horse for thirty thousand. And when he gets the ticket, he realizes that. He bid on the wrong horse. He fell asleep and missed the one that he was going to buy. Well, subsequently, fast forward three years from there, and the 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 subsequent fall wins a grade one, and and uh, he ends up selling it for two million dollars. So, like you know, crap (laughs) happens like that. And I'm not saying that should be your business model, but but stuff happens like that all the time, where you know, or like you know, you're you're eating dinner. And you're like, all right, I gotta make sure I got to make sure I get back in time to, to buy this horse. And you don't mm-hmm. get there in time. Mm-hmm. And somebody else buys it, and then you're watching that horse win a, a great at stake, right? So stuff happens. I mean, it still comes down to human beings and, yeah. and human nature. And and you know, sometimes it's it's like silly roundabout things that that occur throughout the day or in that moment that make you want to bid more or miss a horse completely. Um, so we we feel very fortunate that we were able to do our homework and buy a horse like, uh, you know, like wonder wheel. And, uh, and I give, you know, again, Kim and and Martha uh, phenomenal credit and Mark Cassie and his team, just a a tremendous amount of credit for breaking and training. Um, You know, we had 13 um, stake winners in 2022 Mm -hmm. and seven of them were two year olds. And that's just a really huge number um, percentage-wise of not only our two-year-olds, but also the number of two-year-old steak races that mm-hmm. are out there. Um, so it, it's it, it's a real tip of the cap to, to everyone on the team for, um, for being able to find these horses and manage them the way we've managed them and then subsequently get a little lucky.
0: And then we fast forward to June and we see Wonder Wheel winning first time out at Churchill. And I wasn't there, but I remember covering the race on America's Day at the Races. And I think it was Norm Cassie, Mark's son, who came over to Paula Duga, who was there. And he said, my dad says this is the best two-year-old he has. He's so excited about this filly. And and it looked like right from the beginning that she had the goods for sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about how exciting it was at the beginning when she kind of really was touting herself as a special one right off the bat
2: and and even though we've had great success with these two-year-olds mark does not crank horses Mm -hmm. up to win first time out so when when we get a horse that wins first time out it's, it's pretty exciting because it means that they did it all in their natural talent. Um, but Acacia, she, you know, Wonder Wheel win in this race. And even though we thought she was an exciting talent and everything, she wasn't even the favorite in the race. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, she was actually the third choice in that race, um, you know, debuting at, at Churchill. So you get an idea of how, how difficult the race was, at least on, on paper. Um, she didn't break on top because that's just not her natural, you know, uh, um, go-to. You know, she, she has some good speed, but not going five and a half. So she got outrun a little bit in the beginning and Tyler just kind of, you know, stayed on her and and relaxed her. And when he asked her, she just exploded and, and won very impressively, I think in a hand ride by, by two lengths or so. Um, And then when we brought her back into the debutant four weeks later, again, she wasn't even the favorite. She Mm -hmm. was the, she was the second choice in that race Uh, and uh, and, and watching the race, I was actually at a, um, at a family event, uh, at a barbecue, July Fourth barbecue, and I, I kind of, you know, squirrelled away, uh, you know, and, and hid and watched the race, and uh, I came out, you know, of the of the house, and my and I had this huge smile on my face, and my wife said, "I guess Wonder Wheel did okay," and I was like. She won so impressively. Oh, my God. And I had like goosebumps, um, you know, up and down my arms because of just how impressively she won that day in in the Mm -hmm. debutante. So we knew we had something special. Really, it was the debutante was kind of her coming out party.
0: She was so fun to follow. And as you said, winning four out of five races. And, um, obviously these are the types of horses that you dream about having they're precocious. They go on, they, they win those big races. She won the Alcibiade, uh, and the breeders cup. Tell me a little bit about the journey from, from race to race with her and just how she's grown as an athlete.
2: You know, the, the really wonderful thing about, about the Philly, you know, she's got athleticism. She's got some speed, obviously. But she's really, really mature mentally, mm-hmm. and nothing phases her. And I think when you, especially with two-year-olds, when you start to get into the the larger races and the tougher races, and um, you know, you can just feel in the paddock, you can feel the air is a little bit different. Um, there, there's some tension, there's some nervousness, mm-hmm. um, and and it's palpable. You you can actually you can actually feel it. But, and certain horses definitely feel it. I mean, you, you talk about it all the time on the pre-race um, uh, reviews of the horses and the post-parade. And, and, you know, you'll even say like, this horse is getting a little hot or this mm-hmm. horse is, is getting a little washy or it's a little nervous. And that saps them of tremendous energy um, when they mentally have to like really focus themselves on like, what the hell is going on here? Why are there so many people? Why is it so loud? Why does this feel different? And, you know, people talk about Horses that have class. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it shows is when horses have the mental maturity to kind of handle different situations and not fight things and just be like, okay, I trust the situation. Or they have that faraway look where, you know, sometimes you walk in the paddock in a steak race and you look at one of the favorites and they have that like thousand yard stare where they're mm-hmm. just kind of looking in advance, and you go, oh, crap, that's a really nice horse, because (laughs) it just, nothing faces them, and Wonder Wheel is that kind of, has that kind of temperament, where she's just really mature and really relaxed, so when we got to the Alcibiades, and we're at Keeneland, and it's their signature day of racing, um, you know, for, for the Breeders' Cup preps, and there's 14 horses in the race, and she, like, it was as if she was just on the racetrack to kind of gallop, it was no big thing for her whatsoever, and then... Fast forward to the Breeders' Cup, where there's, you know, 50,000 people there, and it's loud and, and, you know, boisterous. And when the horses get into the gate, it's right up against that rail where all the fans are, and they're all, you know, going crazy, because it's such a great day of racing. And some horses get spooked from that, that you mm-hmm. just, hear it's like a wall of sound. And they can't, they can't handle it mentally. Um, and Wonder Wheel doesn't, doesn't turn a hair. So I think, if there was one attribute that I would say that that lends itself to her um, to her career and and her success, it, it's that mentally she is just so mature. She's you know not that this is a high bar, but she's more mature than I am for sure.
0: <laughs> she's really fun to follow, and so excited to see her coming back this year and and what she has in store as a three year old. But you mentioned at the top how DJ Stables really involved in pretty much every side of the racing industry with breeding, a bunch of New York breads as well. Um, of course, the big horses and stakes like wonder wheel and with the, uh, sales coming up, um, supplemented into the Phasig winter mix sale. I know you wanted to touch on Lemieux, who was another horse, who was very precocious, a stakes winner at two, uh, for Mark Cassie. And she has a nice pedigree and we'll get a chance to see her in the upcoming sale.
2: And Lemieux has been uh, really special to us for for a lot of reasons. Lemieux, um, she was a stake winner, and she's you know bred very very well. She's she's out. Uh, she's a half to a, a grade one placed horse, a brilliant cut, and from the immediate family of Life is Good, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't need to explain to your audience who Life is Good <laughs> is. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, but Lemieux was. I've always been a big fan of Nyquist. Um, mm-hmm. I I really thought that uh, you know he obviously he was champion. He won the Kentucky Derby. And I thought that not only is he going to be a good sire, but I think he's going to be a really good broodmare sire as well. Um, you know, he Nyquist is a son of Uncle Mo out of a forestry mare, and uh, and and those two genetic combinations just seem to produce very precocious and and very sound horses. So mm-hmm. we we breed and buy a lot of Nyquist. Um, so when we bought Lemieux, we thought enough of Lemieux as a young horse, like this time of year, when she was a two-year-old that we actually went out and negotiated and bought her mother, um, mm-hmm. polish a diamond while she was in fall to, to street sense. And that that's how much we thought of her at at the time. And and mm-hmm. not to say that she was going to be like wonder wheel, but we really thought that she was going to be a, a really nice Philly. And she, and she is, she, she won a stake. She made, um, you know, about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and and if it really, if 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 she wasn't bred so well, she'd probably still be running for us, quite frankly. <laughs> um, uh, but we put her in the the Night of the Stars race. Uh, excuse me, the Night of the Stars sale at phasic. and I think she just got a little overlooked in that in that sale because mm-hmm. there were literally two dozen horses that were selling for a million dollars or more, and mm-hmm. and you know, from a management standpoint, I probably didn't do a great job of putting her in the right uh, forum for her to stand out. So we bought her back. And in talking to, um, Boyd Browning and, and Anna Seitz at, at, from Phasic, uh, when we were, you know, when we were down at the, uh, the Eclipse Awards, we were talking specifically about Lemieux and, um, you know, we decided that we were going to give her another shot and put her into the upcoming sale where I think she will be a standout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and occasionally that's the one thing that, that I've learned. And, and I kind of, I got excited about having a horse in the night of the stars and that that's shame on me for, for, for doing that. But we've always been firm believers and you want to have a sale horse represent the top 25% of that, of the horses in that sale. Um, And, and that's gotta be based on pedigree and confirmation. So if you have a great horse, you know, you put it into the, the phasic Saratoga sale, or if you have a, a really nice yearling, um, by a new sire, you you would go into the new sire showcase at July, or mm-hmm. if um, if you have a horse that maybe is is kind of a B B plus athlete and uh, and a C rated uh, pedigree, maybe you put it into book four of September, um, it, where it's going to be a standout there because the money chases the top of the market for whatever that sale is. So I, I probably, in hindsight, made a strategical Mistake by putting her into a sale with a bunch of millionaire horses. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in the phasic February, so I think she'll really be a standout. And now that Life is Good has made $4 million mm-hmm. and, and brilliant cut, her half sister sold for 750000 dollars There's there's a lot more even in the pedigree from November, uh, you know, to to February. So I think she's really gonna stand out in that sale and and uh hopefully uh, you know, top the top the market there.
0: It's kind of the old adage, right? It, it applies to racing, but to sales as well. Keep yourself in the best of company and your horses in the worst of company.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and if it was, if that wasn't so long, I'd probably have that tattooed on my arm because just to remind <laughs> yeah, me, you know, but, but I think, I think that's a, that's a great adage. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's, and, and, it, and it's appropriate for, for so many different, uh, so many different assets, whether it's a horse or, or a boat or, you know, it almost doesn't <laughs> matter, but yeah. you, you always, you always want to be at the top of the market um, wherever you're trying to sell something for sure.
0: Now, we are trying to build off of the incredible 2022 that you've had last year. And what are some of the things uh, to look forward to from DJ Stable, of course, besides the champion coming back that we'll see in 2023?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's, it, I look at the inventory list and, and, I, and I have a huge smile on my face because, uh, you know, we have Wonder Wheel obviously coming back. Renegade Rebel, um, who is a Nyquist uh, Philly that, that we bought as a two-year-old. Won the Mazarine, uh, the Grade Three up in Canada, and, and she's coming back to run um, at Turfway, and hopefully uh, we'll continue on with with her success. Um, Mobster is an Uncle Mo homebred of ours that, that we have high hopes for, and then there's a couple of recently minted two year olds that we um, that we really really like, and I know it's early, and, and you know the nice thing is they're all undefeated right now, so so they all have potential. <laughs> um, but we we bought a we bought a Curlin colt last year, last July um, out of a mare named Four Sugars. And if that sounds familiar, that, that mm-hmm. Four Sugars is also the dam of Gronkowski. Okay. Um, so, so this Curlin Cult is a half to Gronkowski and oh. we normally don't go to the upper echelons of, of the marketplace. Um, you know, I, I feel more comfortable buying horses within a certain range, mm-hmm. but we were so impressed with this Curlin Cult and we just thought that he was you know the kind of horse that, that is worth taking a shot on um because of you know Curlin, and obviously Curlin has shown that you know producing three champions this year that that he mm-hmm. you know he is a sire of of, of great horses and, and a sire of sires so we went a little bit more than than my comfort zone on on him uh and and bought him for six hundred thousand dollars and uh we named him apex so That's he nice. a- apex a-p-e-x is a horse that we're very excited about um and have very high hopes for um we have a tap at philly that's a half to two graded stake winners that that we bought um, out of the phasic October sale, and we named her Bento, which is Japanese for fast. <laughs> um, I like that. so so Bento, so Apex and bento um, are are two horses that we're really excited about. and and we also have some other ones that we that we think uh, you know kind of were under the radar for for a lot of people. We uh, mm-hmm. you know we have a preservationist um, that we bought mm-hmm. out of the phasic July sale, um you know, named in a jam. We named them in a jam and uh, and and he's a horse that that really is showing a lot of uh, promise. And again, look, they're all undefeated. They're all exciting. and you'll you'll see by going out there on uh, to the farm on Friday uh, that uh, that that they all have, you know their their pros and cons. But the main thing is we like to think they have athleticism, mm-hmm. maturity mentally. And then some pedigree and not necessarily in that order, but those are three of the major points that we look for now, you know, in, in this in this new era of, of DJ stable. So that way when you get a horse like a Wonder Wheel, they have enough pedigree where they can top the market anywhere. Um, and, and that's that's what we're looking to do. Cause this business, as you know, is so hard. It's so hard to, you know, to mm-hmm. to maneuver and jump through all the hoops. That when you do get one that is, you know, is the top of of their crop, you want it to check all the boxes, and I think that's one of the things that we learned when we campaigned Jaywalk, um, and Jaywalk, no offense to cross traffic, but nobody's going to confuse him for into mischief, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. and 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 you know, she was a beautiful athlete and and pretty and smart and fast and all the things that you wanted. Um, but believe it or not, there was kind of a glass ceiling of what we could sell her for because mm-hmm. she was across cross traffic. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a big difference between a cross traffic who's the champion and an into mischief who's the champion. Um, and and it, as silly as that sounds, because they're both champions and technically, and I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but like Jaywalk ran faster times and better numbers than Wonder Wheel. Yeah. So she at this point of her career, you can make an argument that she was maybe a better horse than Wonder Wheel. But there's just that glass ceiling there that, that mm-hmm. people will only spend a certain amount. On a, on a stallion that they're not as comfortable with, um, as opposed to like Wonder Wheel, where hopefully the sky's the limit now for her um, once her career is over and, and we're ready to to go ahead and put her into the marketplace.
0: We often see you um, represented in New York too, quite a few New York breads and taking advantage of um, some of those opportunities with the state bread programs and all the incentives that they have. And I know for owners, that's often a really, really big appeal as well.
2: It, it is. And I think like anything else, you have to you have to look to see where there's value. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, uh, you know, we thought there was value in buying athletes over pedigrees. And, and there, I think there was, and but people have kind of caught up to that. And then we started looking at, well, maybe we should just buy Phillies because everyone wants to buy these. Everyone's partnering up to buy these Colts. So we should zig when everyone's zagging and and we would buy Phillies because we thought there was added value there. Mm-hmm. But one thing that has been true um, throughout the 40 years that I've been in the business is that if you get a good regionally bred horse and you campaign that horse in their um, jurisdiction, you have a chance to make a really good amount of money, especially uh, you know for for return on investment, especially for what you have to spend on on them. So we've been very big supporters of the New York program. Um, this year, we bought a bunch of Florida breads also for that same reason because we felt there was value. Um, you know, the Florida breads we thought were undervalued. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm also on the board of both NItha and the Florida Horsemen's Association. Yeah. So um, it, it, does, it does help, uh, I think, the program when it shows that I'm willing to put money where my mouth is and not mm-hmm. only be on those boards, but also support the regionally bred horses, yep. you know, in each of those states. So it, it's important for a lot of reasons. Um, and the bottom line, though, is that, you know, we want to have good sound, fast horses. And if they're regionally bred, um, then it's, it it just is worth a little bit more to us as, uh, you know, as owners.
0: And I think it's also with those kinds of programs, two great opportunities to highlight the local breeders. Um, I'm in Ocala right now. And as we both know, a lot of terrific breeders in Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, whatever it might be that maybe don't get um, as much of the spotlight or the accolades as some of the ones in Kentucky might.
2: Yeah, there's no question. And, and and you know, look, the industry does a great job of promoting the fact that Kentucky breads are what you want to have and mm-hmm. you want to have, you know, Kentucky, you want to have a Kentucky sired and Kentucky bread horse because the the land is better and the weather's better. And, you know, this is the and and, and I, I understand that and I believe that. But as history has shown, good horses can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's important to to almost be when you first look at a horse to almost be catalog blind, like you look at a horse as an athlete first, and then I look to see, who, you know, who, who is the horse by? Who's it out of? What have its siblings done? Um, you know, if it's, if it's offset, should it be offset? Because that's what the family line should throw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, there's, there's a, um, I forget the, the the exact saying, but basically it's like, you know, you you, you you breed an apple to an apple and you get an apple. I mean, you know, it, it's like you, it, it shouldn't surprise you that that, uh, you know, that the that, that smart strike curling horses are going to be a little bit back at the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't surprise you that unbridled songs or quality roads are going to be a little bit longer, um, yeah. you know, in their back because that, that's just, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise. But if you look the catalog page and you saw at Spikestown, for example, that was really long and leggy. You'd go, well, wait a second. This isn't what a Spikes Town should look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you have to initially look at the athlete first and then say to yourself, "Okay, does this match up with the way the family line looks? Um, And not to give away any company secrets, but I think that's why we ended up getting Wonder Wheel, because she looked a lot more like her mother. Um, mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, Wonder Gal and the tis wonderful line then she did like an into mischief and I think that may have turned off certain people um because they wanted to have an into you know an into mischief looking into mischief <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> as silly as that sounds um so I, I know I'm going off kind of off tangent a little bit but mm-hmm. I think you have to find value where you can and um you know I would love to see better stallions go to these regional, Um, programs whether it's Maryland or New York or or Florida I I think the problem is the mare population there's just not um, as good a population that'll support the stallion in some of these non-Kentucky regions Mm -hmm. and um, I think ultimately that's that's kind of you know to a lot of their horses downfalls occasionally you'll you'll get a Gervin that'll break through and Mm -hmm. and do well or a daredevil when he was in New York and they break through and do well almost despite the Uh, the the mayor population they have but for the most part if you don't have the mayor support um, you're you're kind of gonna you're gonna die on the vine in some of these programs unfortunately
0: well, I, I couldn't agree more, I, I've especially become a big fan of the New York Bread program, but um, obviously finding an into mischief who maybe didn't look quite as much like her sire has worked out very well for you. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to see her in person um, this week. But uh, can't wait to see Wonder Wheel back on the track. John, thank you so much for your time as always. Oh, my
2: pleasure. No, I really appreciate it. Hopefully it won't be another two years before I, I get invited back on. Your
0: banishment is done, I promise.
2: All right, good, good. All right. Great. I know I didn't test positive for anything, so it couldn't have been that. So.
0: <laughs> no, fantastic. Uh, but right. will we see you out at the track next week.
2: Um, I am hoping to get out there. Although I I know that I will definitely be out there. Uh, you know, if Wonder Wheel is fortunate enough to run in the Ashland awesome. and and hopefully the Oaks. Um, so if I'm if I'm not in Tampa, it's not because I don't I'm not confident in her. Um, it's uh, it, it's I got to kind of pick my spots a little bit. I, I didn't mm-hmm. mention the other reason why 2022 was such a great year is my oldest daughter got engaged. Um, Congratulations! To, to, yeah, which has been great. So we've been doing a lot of wedding stuff as well. And uh, the original wedding date was going to be the first weekend in May, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Really?" <laughs> so, so, we moved it to October. You know, th- that, that was my that was my one uh, my one my one get a jail free card. I said, "Can we? I can. Can I veto the date to at least put it after the September sales?" <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's how cra- that's how horse crazy we are in this family.
0: Completely understandable. Best of luck. Thanks so much again. Thank you. And that concludes another episode of In the Ring. Thank you so much to Bruce Lunsford and John Green. I thought um, both of them had such interesting things to say and talking about such special horses that luckily we'll have a chance to – get to see quite a bit this year too, which I'm very excited about. Um, Again, if you're going to be around Tampa Bay Downs the next couple weekends, come on over and say hi. As always, if you have any ideas, people you're interested in hearing from on this show, please do let me know. The two-year-old sales season is coming up soon, so um, I'm sure going to be a lot of discussion about that coming up before we know it be a little bit over a month. I uh, will have the March two year old sale and then we'll just go on from there. And of course we'll have an opportunity to see a lot of those runners debuting this summer at Saratoga and Del Mar and, and other places as well so um, a lot to discuss coming up um, as always check out in the money media and their newsletter lots of great content over there. I know um, Jonathan Kinchen just did a terrific interview with John Sadler trainer of Force of the Year flight line so make sure to go over and check that out as well. until then I will see you next time on in the ring thanks so much as always for joining me.